So welcome everybody and particularly welcome to Heather Chapman who's with me today. I am so excited to be able to talk to Heather and bring you her incredibly inspirational story and it is only fitting that Heather sees us out of our August Acceleration series um, in Conscious Coherence because her story is one of coming back into balance pretty much against all odds and she has lived a journey that many of us who are able-bodied with full mobility have uh, have no concept of what it's like to go from full mobility and being able-bodied to being in a wheelchair um, in a pretty short space of time and so i'm going to let heather tell her story and uh, and not detract anything from that because it is remarkable but she um, has just graduated and got an MSc in nutritional therapy from Worcester. And unlike many of us nutritional practitioners, she, um, she came in at that top level. So everything has come in in a rush and a roar. And um, her life has just taken a, a complete and utter change. And very soon she is going to be available for consultations. And, uh, and obviously she's going to be specializing in people with disabilities and, uh, and lack of mobility. But obviously everybody can see Heather for a consultation. So Heather, a huge, huge welcome. Thank you very much for talking to me today. And um, could you please, for the listeners, just get us off on the first page and talk to us about your story and how you've landed up sitting in a wheelchair? Okay. Well, um, quite a few years ago now, I'd, I'd had a few neurological problems going on. I'd had a few seizures. I lost my voice for about 18 months. And that was quite annoying because at the time I was working on the ambulances with uh, the British Red Cross and John Ambulance and some private ambulance services at all the big festivals in the country. So I was helping those teenagers who'd drunk a little bit too much and got a bit too excited and um, had lost a few things in the festivals. I then started a company with my husband in first aid and I would be bouncing around the room telling everybody how to do staying alive CPR and <laughs> so on um, we at, had acting reacting casualties and I would be one of those usually with rope access people hanging from ropes and then climbing up to deal with the casualty so it was a very exciting career and I had a horse that I used to ride at the weekends. And then one day uh, we went to a show and I fell off him. And the St. John Ambulance came over and said, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'll get back on. That's what most horse riders do. Yeah. I was kind of a little bit dizzy. But I knew that my husband, who was an ex-paramedic with the uh, Royal Air Force um, um, Mountain Rescue, I knew he'd be able to look after me, knew exactly what's going on. I probably had a bit of concussion. Keep an eye on me, see how that goes. Kind of recovered, but not really. And I started getting dizzier and dizzier. So I went to the doctors. They did some blood tests and found out that B12 and ferritin were in my boots. Something was going on there, but they weren't sure. So they sent me to a specialist and the specialist was like, hmm, maybe you have MS, multiple sclerosis, but did tests and we had all the scans, PET scans, 
involved in that was all sorts of inflammation was all over the over, all over the place. They wondered if I had cancers and so on. I got tested for everything, all to no avail, and finally was given the diagnosis of functional neurological disorder, which is the second most common neurological disorder in the world, but the least known about. It's pretty much idiopathic, isn't it? It is. Of no, of no known origin. Origin, yes, yeah. And you get treated like such by a lot of doctors. I remember one doctor say, looking at me straight in the face and saying, "If I was told that, I'd get up and walk out of the room." Oh my goodness! And and so, just in terms of timing, Heather, what 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 year are we looking at here? We're now in two thousand and twelve. Okay, so your accident was the year before, was it in 2011? Yeah, 2011. Okay. Um, that point, I started putting on weight rapidly, real big time. I put on uh, 10, 15 kilograms in that first year. Yeah. To, uh, no change in eating, just the fact that uh, I was stuck in a wheelchair. So you were already in a wheelchair and and obviously not able to walk and be and be mobile from having a very active a life. Very before. active life, yes. <laughs> so suddenly, I mean, we used to go skiing and all sorts. So I was a very active person, and suddenly nothing. So um, I had to make a change in my career. I could no longer jump around the room uh, or up and down ropes. So I started a company writing words for the internet, and I still do that today. Um, so I write blogs and web content and do social media, which at the time a lot of people didn't think was a real job, but I've proved them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> at that point, I was like, I've got to 90 kilograms and I'm really feeling the problems. I'm starting to get pain in my shoulders because I'm trying to wheel this very heavy body. Um, I'm only five foot, <laughs> so 90 oh, kilograms yeah. on a five foot body was, yes. yeah, we're hitting time. My doctor was like, mm, if you start getting much heavier, we're going to have to do some interventions here. And I was like, what, what? And he said, eat less, move more. <laughs> I'm like, oh. How do you, I mean, I'm sure this is the question that people who are not familiar with being in a wheelchair, how do you move more in a wheelchair? Exactly. Yeah. And okay. <laughs> there's no explanation of how to do that. Any physiotherapy seems to concentrate on your shoulders so you can keep wheeling. Um, but actually, that just spends more time working your shoulders. And uh, so I found that that needs changing. But I went to a I was looking around for nutritional advice and this bodybuilder said to me, I'll give you the cutting diet. That's how you cut before a show. So you can you cut fat off immediately and you get all your muscles showing. I thought, this sounds good. So he put me on the diet, started off with all bran in the morning. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> quite a lot of fruit involved, which had the effect at the other end. And I gained another 15 kilograms to 105. Oh, at this heaven. point, I was depressed really depressed the, yes. the the accident had been bad enough but to get all this weight on and this is only around 2013 14 by now yeah and then i met a nutritional therapist mm -hmm. she was lovely i i mean i'm sorry to say i didn't pay her because i felt mm. um but she did say cut down your carbs to under 25 percent mm -hmm. and i thought mm, i'll try it mm -hmm. So I did. I got my fitness pal and I started logging my food. 
And um, when I started reducing the carbohydrates, I suddenly realized that actually the weight was starting to come down. And then I found Zoe, Zoe Harkham on the internet, on YouTube, and I am forever grateful to her. We are huge Zoe fans as well. (laughs) (laughs) But everything she said resonated. Mm -hmm. And all this thing about, you know, count 3,500 calories off and that. I've been doing, I've done the 800 calorie. I've done the 400 calorie diet. I knew that didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) So I was, uh, I had been desperate. And then I found Zoe. And once I found Zoe, I found the rest of the public health collaboration. And I then took it all on board. I started doing that. I dabbled a little bit with fasting intermittent and long Mm -hmm. fast i did do the longest fast of 21 days just to see lost nine kilograms that particular session which was really thrilling but i knew it wasn't sustainable i couldn't did did it did it it stay off the nine kilograms nine kilograms did stay off and Mm -hmm. i continued on my journey i eventually got down to 65 kilograms which was a 40 kilogram or seven stone loss my goodness and that is you as well in a wheelchair yes so not able to get up and about and increase your mobility no no okay that was all on the food this is fantastic I went back to my nutritional therapist and I paid her for a a, a scan. It's not quite a Dexter scan, but uh, Mm -hmm. a little scan. And she measured and she said, you have three pounds of excess fat left. The rest is all brown fat, muscle and so on. So she said, I don't think you'll get down any lower. But my BMI was still just above normal. Mm. So I was like, I was happy at that. So she'd obviously she was obviously doing a body composition scan, wasn't she? Mm. Yes. And um, and I know for our, our our listeners, you can now Tanita and Om and Omron, uh, I think it is. They're um, they're very good ones that you can actually buy for home use on Amazon. And we've always said that it's useful to have this because, as you found out, muscle weighs more than fat, and particularly people who can work out, um, it sometimes doesn't look like you're coming down in weight, because, but you're actually losing fat and building muscle. So mm-hmm. um, so that's, that, that, that's wonderful. So mm-hmm. did you carry on then? You've obviously carried on. I have stayed with a keto, low carb mm-hmm. diet. I also started integrating yoga, seated yoga, and my yoga teacher is actually a masseuse as well. And I highly recommend in the early days having yoga massage. You don't have to do the activity yourself. The masseuse places you in yoga positions, which for someone who can't move themselves is amazing. That is that's incredible. I uh, I I I haven't come across that before. So that is wonderful. And um, when the when when this video goes out, I mean, maybe you can send us some links and we can uh, we can put them on here. Yes. Absolutely. I think Helena has quite a lot of work cut out already. (laughs) She's an amazing woman and she also has been um, my sounding board whilst I've been doing my, um, uh, not only my degree, but the the prior study that I did to to get there. Um, The weight has gone a little bit back on, but not anywhere near as where I was before. And we're probably around the 75 now. 
um, which is fine. I'm happy with that because I know that I've just done an MSc and if a little bit of stress wasn't involved. <laughs> so, One of like them... the story of how I got to the MSc. <laughs> I would love the story of how you got to the MSc. One of the things I was just going to interject there is that um, in, I mean, I, I love your story so much because it mirrors, uh, it mirrors some of my own, obviously not the wheelchair, but, you know, using, um, a, you know, a nutritional ketosis and a metabolic um, flexibility approach to regain my own health. And obviously everything that Zoe and the Public Health Collaboration put out is so in keeping with what we do as well and, uh, and our book, Reset Eating. But, um, but what I've found in, in my experience is that your body needs to go through a certain number of receptor cycles. And so staying in that pattern for 18 months to two years gets you really stable. Mm. And so I, I know that once you've come, you know, you, you've, you've just demonstrated that. So you've, you've come through everything. Some of it's gone back on, but all the memories there and it'll, it'll go back off again, won't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I knew I did need the chocolate to get through some of the lectures and things <laughs> like that. But, uh, and also the stress of uh, finally finalizing assignments and things like that. But I, I, I think um, I think you know you've done something incredible because you've done this all since lockdown began. I've done the entire course since yes. lockdown began. Yes, um, I within my business writing words for the web. I went to a lot of networking, and this gentleman who called himself a nutritionist stood up and started talking about gut health like he was an expert, and I knew there was a lot in gut health, but. Not when he was a Herbalife distributor. And I've met a, a number of Herbalife distributors and I've looked at the ingredients on there, the, the stuff mm. and I'm not particularly enthralled, never tried it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, so I thought, well, let's look this up. How do I become a nutritionist? And I found it's really easy. You just do a weekend course and you call yourself a nutritionist. So I did. I went and did the level four AFN course. Up to this point, the highest grade that I held was a level three in training, in adult teacher training. Um, so I did that over the weekend on the Saturday and Sunday. It was an online course. You could complete it at your own pace. And then on Wednesday, I finally picked up the courage to actually run the exam. I did the exam. I got the result back of 96%, even though I didn't quite agree with some of the stuff they were saying about fats. I went with it because that's what they taught in the lesson. And I thought, hmm, I'm not sure I want to do this AFN stuff. Um, it's not really resonating with how I found nutrition, certainly. But I'd like to advance. Mm -hmm. So I did a level four and five at the Oxford Learning College online. It cost me an awful lot of money. But um, the REF Benevolent Fund, who've been helping us enormously, um, helped pay for it. So um, I'm quite grateful to them for that. I did that over the June, July and August after the lockdown. And that's an assignment every four days to get that out. There was 18 assignments that I needed to do to, to complete that. And towards the end of it, I thought, I'm really getting something here. I'm really enjoying learning about food and nutrition. So um, I decided to have a look at an advanced degree. And 
because Hannah, my nutritional therapist friend, was Bant, she said, well, you need to look at Bant registered universities. So there was really only the University of West London and the University of Worcester. And I did talk to the University of West London. They did say they would take me on later in the course. But the University of Worcester said if I could pass their level six in the September, I could join the master's course in the October. So it was a bit of a no brainer. Went for it, passed the uh, level six and started the MSc in October 2020. Amazing. I can feel my fellow nutritional therapists watching this breathing a sigh of relief because these weekend courses and everything um, are kind of the bane of our lives and fill us with, you know, with, with dread that people can come out and call themselves, you know, a, a registered health professional after a weekend. So um, Worcester is a fantastic university, fantastic course and uh, really top pedigree. So huge congratulations to you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I must say the course has been really enjoyable. Um, not only the, the, the fellow students on the course have been great fun and we've had some great discussions, but the tutors are brilliant. They all know their stuff um, and any question, uh, someone there will have the answer for you. Um, and they do encourage you to research quite wide and varied and some of the assignments are quite good indeed it's the first assignment that led me to the current career the first assignment was to look at your own food choices and why you make them mm -hmm. now i looked and i couldn't find any literature <laughs> that said why i should eat as a disabled person why i should eat the food that i'm eating there was no research. The only things I could find was, you know, if Paralympians and their diet, which obviously they're quite sporty. I'm not sporty. No. <laughs> and, uh, basketball players. And again, I'm not a basketball player. And I can no longer wheel myself. I'm only in an electric chair because my shoulders have been destroyed. So um, it was, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to evidence how I eat? So I obviously went with Zoe and, and got a few of her papers uh, to reference and so on. But I realised that there was this gap in the literature. So when it came to dissertation, I thought I'm going to find out why there's no research in disability. And my dissertation finally, what it decided was, does the non-athletic full-time wheelchair user receive nutritional advice on transmission to wheelchair so from that point of being full mobility does anyone give them any advice as they transition and the answer categorically 100 percent, was no it's no. It, it is quite mind-boggling isn't it that uh, it is such a huge life change yes and to not give any advice on how you might need to alter what you may have eaten for your new circumstances. I mean, you, you are filling such an important gap here because mm -hmm. I think this is probably fairly similar in many countries around the world. Yes, so very much so. I'm, I'm discovering more and more as I talk to that. I'm starting to build up connections with the disabled community online, hopefully to to bring in people for the business but I'm so 
frustrated by it all. And I found that because there's a gap in the research, I feel I've got to fill it. And mm. that's why this August I'm going to be concentrating on not only starting the new business, but putting a proposal forward to PhD in nutrition and disability back at Worcester, um, just because it's a great university and they've got all the supervisors that are interested in that sort of area. Um, it is the most it's the it's such important work and it's an area that doesn't get talked about sufficiently i mean one of the, you you mentioned that your shoulders are gone um in can you explain you know a, a bit more about that well you can you start off with like bursitis yeah mm -hmm. and you can get recurring burs bursitis and then it gets to the point where if you continue to exercise them it just switches on Im immediately um, and the pain's just too great to continue. Yeah. And and this must be the same for um, for many wheelchair users, I, mm. because it's suddenly a part of your body that is doing a movement that is not actually one of our no. evolutionary movements, is it? No. no. It's it's like these people who walk on their hands. You know, they they can go so far, um, but uh, wheelchair users are expected to continue. You know? Yes. So. I, I mean, it's. It, it's it's an area that they then uh, I know that it's the arms that they then want to try and exercise more as well absolutely. so it's it must be it must be hell to be in that much pain it's absolutely frustrating because the physiotherapist as soon as you get bursitis starts exercising your shoulders but they're already exercised because you're wheeling yourself in the chair yes. and any any um, exercise um, person that you go to any sports fitness or anything like that they go immediately shoulders and you're like I'm already working those what about the rest of my body and that's why the yoga came in because the seated yoga at least was starting to move the legs a little bit even if you move them yourself it's still stretching and pulling on the muscles so I highly recommend anyone who's who's facing the loss of mobility is build up your shoulders before you lose them, before you lose the mobility. And then it should last you longer before you need to um, go into an electric chair. It's averaging about five years in my uh, dissertation it was five years from wheelchair, manual wheelchair to electric wheelchair. So, OK, that's helpful to know. And uh, and if somebody cannot move their legs anymore, is the uh, seated yoga still beneficial? It is because you can pick up the leg and move it. But like I said, going back to my yogic massage uh, and having that and having people work on your legs and obviously increasing things like protein um, and decreasing the sugar so that the muscles are, are going to build a little bit better. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your, your diet? You've obviously, you know, you said you've reduced carbs. Have you, uh, you know, focused in on fats and protein? I mean, just if you give us a little bit more information, because uh, it, it, is a, it is a particularly specialist area, isn't it? it? It is. I tend to stick very much on the keto low carb border. Mm -hmm. um, I found that ketosis is great. But just stepping out now and again for a break into low carb, not going as far as um, probably less than a hundred, less than about seventy five to one hundred grams of, of carb per day is that's the high end, and then down into ketosis, and you stay around there because 
birthdays happen. And in my family, if you don't eat a slice of the birthday cake, you're almost insulting the birthday person because it's <laughs> part of them. Yeah. <laughs> Birthdays happen. Um, you get invited to restaurants and you can't leave everything on the plate. You know, it's uh, it, it, you have to be able to play around with that. But you know that you can go straight back into ketosis very quickly if you need to after that. And uh, that means that you can live a fairly normal lifestyle while staying on the re on the on the range. Yeah. Agreed. It's the uh, it's the whole concept behind metabolic flexibility and resilience, yes. isn't it? So that you can oh, come absolutely. in and out. I, yeah. I I I think from an evolutionary perspective as well. You know, we did come in and out um, because staying in that you know in ketosis all the time i'm not actually sure that that is well i know it's not sustainable um mm. in, in in normal life but i'm not so sure that it's actually that positive either physiologically yes yeah so could you talk to us a little bit about your your dissertation and what you actually um what you focused on because that's also a really interesting area of research mm. well that focus was on that that bit of advice did they get it and then the next sort of questions led into what were they doing instead? Um, a lot of the I had one um and I, I I don't know this even the sex of, of the uh, participants, but I had one come back and said he was under or she, he or she was under a dietitian, yeah, and that they um had had advice about their particular disease, although they didn't say what disease it was but they hadn't had anything about the lack of mobility. Mm -hmm. And when they'd asked, they were asked to eat less again, but less of the food they were to eat for their thing. And reading between it, um, I think that he was or she was being told to eat less fat. Mm. Um, there was a lot of salads involved um, in their food diary that they did. I asked them all to, to do a typical food diary for the day and there was very little uh, food in there i had a number of them who were eating less than 800 calories a day and still complaining that they were putting on weight mm. which was quite frustrating now yeah. um and i was feeling for them because you know I, I wouldn't go there again i've done that 800 and 400 it's miserable it's really miserable yeah. it, it, it and and uh and it doesn't as you say, you don't get to lose weight because it's really, it's not about the calories. I know anybody who's in this metabolic field already knows that, that um, it's, it's, about, uh, it's about what you're putting in, when you're putting it in and how often you're putting it in. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I did find, so one thing that was quite interesting, there's a, another uh, researcher called Jasmine Holler who works, I believe, in the Netherlands area. And she does a lot with spinal cord injury, although that's not necessarily full-time wheelchair use. Mm -hmm. um, now, what she seemed to find is that carers need to be involved. So I went a bit further and found, tried to find if there was any food autonomy for the disabled person. So my questioning found that, yes, the, the disabled person is able to influence the carer in what they eat. And the carers are, are happy to go along with that. 
I found in my first year in the wheelchair, my carers, which was my family, because uh, that's who the carers are, were trying to cheer me up with food. And yes. would make banana and Nutella sandwiches to cheer me up. <laughs> 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 and of course, that helped put the weight on. Yeah? Yes. And so once I took control over what I was eating, I could tell my carers what to cook for me. Yeah. And like so, I found in my dissertation that is the case that the disabled people have their autonomy over food, which is great news because it now means that if I'm holding a consultation with a disabled person, I can then give advice to the carer, but they will follow it because that's what the disabled person wants. But that's, you know, that that uh, that's a it's a given as far as uh, as far as I'm concerned, but you. You raise an interesting point about empowerment yes. and um, it's not just the loss of mobility but it's suddenly the loss of autonomy and empowerment and i just i just wonder whether you know how could you talk about your um you know your your headspace and what you've actually what you've actually gone through from that point and whether your change of diet has had an effect on your headspace oh, as well yeah, absolutely um i mean the first I would say the first year to 18 months, I was fairly depressed, mm. having such an active lifestyle and then being unable to do things for myself. And having to rely on others was really hard work. I didn't like to ask for anything. Um, and when I did, I was like, please, sorry, thank you. And it was just all the time. And it was getting a bit silly. And then my husband came up with a little game. <laughs> It's silly, but he, he acts as my butler. And that sort of gave me a little bit more freedom to ask when I wanted things. Um, so I'm eternally grateful for him. And indeed, we, we still play the game now when I phone up in the morning and I have to invent a new coffee house name to call it. So is that the brouhaha coffee house? <laughs> <laughs> um, asked for my dark americano <laughs> to be delivered um but it, it adds to it and it allows me then to ask for things and that is incredibly hard for someone who's been very independent mm. so i did get a lot of brain fog i did especially when the medication started kicking in and it was really hard to think straight at all but the ketosis once i got into that Everything was like super easy to do. Um, I puzzles came, I was always a puzzler and, and loved doing them, but it was like I could redo, relearn things and redo things. And that's partly what it's inspired me then to go on and, and do the nutritional journey because I knew I could, whereas before I couldn't see to, to do anything new, you know. I I mean that's the that's certainly the effect that it has mm. um it has on 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 anyone that I've worked with as well is mm. you know no brain fog uh no energy slumps no. um and very stable emotions so yeah. I'm so I'm just so heartened to hear that even when you're facing the level of challenges that you're facing that you still experience the same kind of benefit Oh, absolutely. I think Georgia Ede, uh, I watched one of her lectures and I thought, yes, what she's talking about is right. As soon as you get into that ketosis state, the, the it clears. Yes, it takes a little while to, to transition. But once it does, everything clears. The, the, the 
denseness clears mm. and you can you can get on and do things so yeah and we do rely as disabled people we're relying mostly on our head and being able to do things in work with your head being able to think clearly because we can't do the physical jobs so they have to be mental so but i mean it's the it's the emotional side as well because it is such a huge challenge and then you you've obviously had phenomenal support from your husband and your family oh, yeah. and yeah. I, I i know that other people aren't always in that position are they no no and i I've some of the ones that replied in my dissertation who had uh, official carers did struggle with the meals deliveries and things and do end up with uh, packet food. But I'm hoping to develop within the company some ways of doing simple snacks that could be prepared um, by someone who's not their official carer. Um, I'm starting to talk to some care homes um, to see if we can improve mm -hmm. the nutrition within within particularly rehabilitation centers those sort of care homes um to try and improve mobility as well i mean you know hospital hospital nutrition has been such a big area as well i mean it, it mm. is it is quite incredible isn't it that when we want our physical bodies to heal you think that you you know you think about what we as trained professionals see mm. as being healthy nutrition for a healing body and then you see what people are actually fed and um i mean it's just it's no wonder that um that that nothing that nothing happens mm. i i never forget when um when my mum had her uh, her first heart attack and uh, i i rushed down to uh, intensive care and i mean she literally had a heart attack that day and she wasn't going to eat anyway um, she was lucky to be alive, but they brought her battered fish and chips in um, swimming in the worst oil ever and placed this in front of her with not a green stick of anything anyway. And when I waved that away, um, she landed up with some kind of processed uh, uh, polony kind of ham thing and mm. a slice of pineapple. Yeah. And, and you just think, well, there is no nutrition in that. So, I mean, from that moment on, if either of my parents, they've both passed on now, but if either of them were ever in hospital, we provided all the food. We didn't let them eat anything in hospital. And, uh, and we took that in. And I just, you know, so I can't, I, the, the problem that you've got ahead of you is huge, but I know that um, we have many health professionals who watch our channel as well. And I just think that um, if anybody wants to get involved, can they contact you? And uh, yeah. Yeah. okay, amazing. Mm. This is this is an area that we all need to work together on and try yes. and make it better for people in wheelchairs. Mm. And if anybody has advice as well that they found has worked with their clients, I would love to hear it as well and maybe we can get it in the literature yeah. that sounds that sounds wonderful i mean it's just a, it's just a huge area so yeah. uh, it, it's it's just it's so inspiring because clearly you found happiness again you found your space again and you found a mission and a place that you can have purpose in life oh absolutely yeah yeah i, I i'm i'm thrilled is there anything that you know more you want to tell us along those lines um i am quite a busy person i'm i'm working with bant at the moment i've been the student rep but also the course rapper at worcester 
and nobody was taking band reps. So I said, oh, I'll do it. And then uh, the e-student use came up as uh, a role. So I thought, oh, I'll take that. <laughs> and now that I'm not going to be the student rep for Worcester um, with BANT, I am hoping to go on to the diversity and inclusivity team with uh, BANT and continuing that. So again, um, anything come, any advice or help that people have out there, that would be very welcome. Yeah. That's wonderful. And for our uh, non-professional um, viewers, um, BANT is one of the leading um, professional associations for nutritional therapists here in the UK. So um, it is just, it's incredible work. And, uh, and in terms of the respondents in, to your survey, did any of them indicate that they might want to um, see you professionally once you've qualified? Um, I, that wasn't an option within the dissertation and it was done completely anonymously. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I will be looking and I'm particularly looking for clients that would be happy to be used as a cohort for study uh, in the PhD. Um, so they would be willing to try some diets that um, may not may be more geared towards the mobility, loss of mobility than any health issues that they have, if you see what I mean. So if they would be willing to also take on that, that would be great. Yeah. That's wonderful, because I assume mm. one of the other major areas is uh, is optimizing gut function, because yeah. obviously our mobility is so integral to our smooth muscle function yes. and uh, have you have you found a way um to to kind of mimic some of the um the movement effects um not as yet that's some area i'd like to get into because obviously as someone who sits a lot the uh the peristalsis isn't working as well as as it should be we also have problems with our lungs because the lower lobe on the left hand side does tend to fold with sitting for a long period of time, which can reduce air capacity in the lungs as well. Um, so I am looking as it, I think we can get some uh, stretching exercises. So lying longitudinally mm -hmm. and stretching exercises that way in order to maintain um, lung function, perhaps with hands above the head, but also then looking to nutrition to how to support that as well and keep airways clear of mucus um so some of those sort of foods the gut health again keeping things moving i think the go-to is always fill us up with fiber and that is definitely not the answer no. if you're a, a long-term sitter yes. um, and there's a lot more to play with salt in that diet um to um ease things a little bit and play with the water um water levels so that things move a little smoother through the uh, digestive system. So there's a lot of work to do in that area, I believe. And I'm wondering if some of the um, the more recent breakthroughs in prebiotic fiber, like um, partially mm. hydrolyzed guar gum, and some mm. of the less bulk oriented fibers, yes. there's a there's a lovely new fiber water that's out as well um, from um, I think it's IO uh, fiber water, and um, so. You know there, there are there are advancements aren't there so i mean mm. what what you're saying really is that bulk fiber doesn't work so well no. but um possibly mm. a more gentle form of fiber yeah. that nourishes the 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 microbiome would be better oh absolutely yes things need to be quite gentle and quite smooth um for us 
because it does tend to just get squished up. All your um, lower intestines tend to get a little bit squished up. So movement isn't so easy uh, through there, uh, especially when you've got extra weight on board. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes, of course. And uh, and I'm wondering too whether you've experimented at all with breathwork and working with vagal tone with breathwork. We we did within yoga. Um, mm. And I've done quite a lot of the yoga breathing up through the nose, down through it, and things like that. That does tend to help, yeah. But it's bringing all these things together um, that needs to be done. And we need to put that together in a paper and get that published and uh, into the literature. And then we can say, yes, this is a great thing for people who are in a wheelchair. But you'll still have a lot of anecdotal evidence coming out as you go, because oh, yeah. obviously studies and the development of that takes some time and people are kind of hungry for what can I try now? Yeah. And yeah. and most of the things that we're talking about here are going to benefit. Right? There's, there's no harm involved, is there? There's no, no risk. No, no. I would definitely say in the in the early days, the initial stages is work on getting keeping that weight management under yes. control. So straight away probably cutting the carbs from from a loss of mobility um, if it's a sudden loss quickly cut those carbs down increase the protein a little bit because there's going to be a lot of repair going on especially if there's been injury sudden injury yeah um if there's disease involved look at anti-inflammatory mm -hmm. um, diets to try and get that and once you get the body under control that way and the weight managed then they can stay in the manual chair for a little bit longer, um, which is the the desired goal. And yeah. and obviously increase your healthy fats as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, if you're going to be repairing cells, you need those healthy fats. So uh, um, it goes, I always say when I'm eat, telling them to eat protein, eat whatever fat comes along with it. Yeah, that, yes. that, that's fine. And um, don't trim it off. Yeah, yeah. That nice big, big bit of fat across the steak. That's there for a reason. Mother Nature put it there. Yeah. And do you um, do you limit your complex carbs from vegetables at all, or are you quite keen on plant foods? Um, I'm probably more keen on animal and um, so I tend to eat meat, fish first. Yeah. Then I will go to plant foods. So I'm looking at leafy greens. I don't tend to do any potatoes or rice no. or pasta. Um, I Cauliflower is your friend in those mm -hmm. respects. Uh, and I've even got the grandchildren. We used to make DIY pizza anyway. We were always quite a foodie family. And now we do like a cauliflower or we do a, a low carb uh, dough base um, that, with nuts and cheese, basically. Um, and uh, they still love that and pile it on with the vegetables on top of there. Um, we do like making rainbow faces. It's one of the uh, tips I have for anyone working with children. You have to make a face. And to make a face, you need long, thin vegetables like peppers, yeah. <laughs> make eyes. You need round things like olives. So it starts experimenting with different shapes of, of fruit, of, of um, vegetables, as well as uh, different varieties. And you've got to get colour in there because you need a colourful face. So you do definitely, and uh, you yeah. did you just say the word grandchild? Yes, I've, you I've do got... not look old enough to have grandchildren. <laughs> oh gosh, my eldest is thirty six, my youngest is thirty three, um, and I have two grandchildren. Oh. I have a nine year old 
filmmaker who is going to be the next movie star, I'm sure. <laughs> it reads everything. And then we've got uh, my youngest granddaughter, who is six, going on 26, and has left her treasure chest of jewels because she's going to be staying with Granny for a weekend and we're going to play jewels together. Oh, that is absolutely remarkable. Um, Heather, uh, you know, honestly, I've just, I've, I've loved this conversation because you just bring light into somewhere that I know is very dark for many people and just too big a challenge. It's hard enough when you're able-bodied to change your diet um, and also to inspire a client to make a massive change. So I, I cannot imagine how much more difficult it is when you're wheelchair bound, but you've, you've suddenly, you've shone a light, you've made it so much easier and, and you're, you're beaming, you're shining with light oh, as well. You. So I must say my hair won't stop growing. My nails, <laughs> I keep filing them like mad. And I've got all my eyebrows back, which was another side effect of everything. So, and you know that you're becoming metabolic. I'd, I'd been diagnosed as pre-diabetic at that high weight. And now it's down really low. My blood pressure is, is at the low end of normal so nothing's going on that should be annoying the doctor anymore and my doctor has been very recipient of of, of what I've done and taking my own health into my own hands has been quite empowering so I would advise anybody who's facing that loss of mobility take your health in your own hands deal with it and then you won't have to deal with a doctor telling you eat less move more <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, and the effect on your emotions and your headspace, I, I just I, I hope people are actually seeing how you're shining. Active grandmother doesn't look anywhere near like a grandmother. But uh, <laughs> but that is amazing. Have you got any last messages or thoughts um, for our audience before we finish off today? Oh, don't stop changing the world. I think it was at our recent webinar when I said that uh, my sort of three things are to go out in the world and make the world a better place for the person who follows. And I think if we all strive to do that, that would be great. And my second one is to share, share everything, share love, share food, share knowledge. Yeah, and, uh, and and you'll find that the world is is a great place, better place for it anyway. Yeah. And my third um, one is just when you eat food, enjoy it for what it is. There is no sin in eating a birthday cake, yeah? but uh, enjoy every mouthful. Absolutely. Don't put the emotion of guilt and, uh, yeah. and fear into, uh, into your body as you're consuming food. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So your website, I love the name of your company. <laughs> Go on, tell everyone. <laughs> I've called it Wheelie Healthy, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I do have a, a wonderful logo that uh, someone de designed for me with a wheel with a uh, knife, fork, and spoon plate. Um, I I struggled with uh, putting a, a a plate that most people do the eat well or you know plates. So I went with knife, fork, and spoon because I believe dessert does have a place on our plate as well. Mm -hmm. And then I've got a, a, a beautiful green uh, and yellow, healthy uh, wheelchair user who's very joyous. Uh, they've got their arms up and very joyous. So that's my logo. 
uh, watch out for it. We are on all the social, the, um, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we're on Instagram. And you can, we have a website. You but can that find the links going. below. Yeah. You'll find the links, yeah. And it's all going live towards the end of this month when I get my final um, letter from Worcester and uh, can register with the appropriate bodies and become then a registered nutritional therapist. That's amazing. So hopefully, because this um, this is this is airing at the at the end of August, so I'm hoping that all the links will work. If they don't work, you've got the links and they will work quite soon, Very soon. because we just yeah. want Worcester to hurry up. But <laughs> we agree um, that you've got to have a treat. We've got a whole section in our book on um, on healthy treats as well. And I hope you have mm. a massive celebration because what you've pulled off in a really short space of time to go from a weekend course to graduating with your MSc is is in, is just incredible in such a short space of time. So congratulations, Heather. Thank you so much. Please keep us posted on what you're doing. We would love to air more about any research that you do in the future. If you're going to publish your dissertation, that would be great. We'd love to uh, we'd love to link to that as well. And um, and just for sharing your story. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Melanie.